Hi, everybody. I'm Don Mitchell, and welcome to Dawn of Sports. This week, we're also talking about that crazy Vikings game in Vegas, but we're going to flush it quick as they go to Cincinnati. But our guest today, I'm really excited about it, Leah B. Olson. You saw her as a gopher hoop star, and now you see her on Timberwolves broadcast, ESPN's coverage of the Lynx. She's just sensational, and there's a lot more to her than just being so amazing at her job. So we're going to dig in with Leah B. Olson coming up. Welcome back to Dawn of Sports, starring Don Mitchell from Fox 9 and and everywhere. I mean, she's doing so many things these days, and of course, she's doing a lot of Vikings, uh, and I think the Vikings are, continue to be the most fascinating team in the market. I think the Wolves are the best team in the market, but the, the Vikings, uh, we are talking about them going to Cincinnati for a key playoff, a game of key playoff implications and it's going to be Nick Mullins, their fourth starting quarterback of the season, against Jake Browning, another former Viking backup. Uh, it, it's it's such a weird it's such a weird, fascinating, odd league. Uh, are you enjoying the season, or are you like my wife, who's like, just please, please let it be over, and let them just magically be better next year? You know, it's kind of like a science project for me. Yes. Like, it's like an experiment. Like, uh, I'm sitting there in Vegas. I did not enjoy the football in Vegas. I have to be honest. No one did. But I was par- partially thinking, well, if I have to sit through this garbage, hopefully <laughs> it'll be a zero zero tie. Yes. Like, I want a zero zero tie. I just want to say I've witnessed that. Um, and then I was happy that the Vikings pulled out a win because it doesn't matter. I always say this. There's no column for ugly you know it's win or loss mm-hmm. so okay so now they're seven and six let's regroup um i i just you know when i after the game and i asked <clears throat> josh dobbs i said you played for many years now and um i'm sure there's been a situation where you know they've had to do a quarterback change um so how are you feeling about that today and he said i've never been in that situation like he's never been pulled from a game so that I don't I don't know why that surprised me. Not, not that he's terrible, but I'm like I'm just thinking if you played the game for long yeah. enough, something has ha- has happened. So I actually felt bad, but I wanted to know how he felt, and of course he didn't feel great about being pulled, but it had never happened to him either. Um, so I thought that that was interesting, and then just to see Nick Mullins have to get in there, and he's coming back from a a bad lower back injury. That's never easy. He mm-hmm. says he feels great. Um, it. It was just so much like I think right now you can't see me, but I have my hands over my eyes, touching my eyebrows. Like I think that that's just kind of what sums up every you just don't know what you're going to get with this team. No. And four star. And think about this. I mean, they're going to their 14th game and starting their fourth different quarterback. That just doesn't happen. Uh, they made a midseason trade to bring somebody in. Uh, mm. you, you know, they're using every possible avenue to put a functional quarterback on the field. And you know what? I'm going to write about it this weekend too, Don. It's, it just is to me is the latest reminder that it's the hardest position in sports. I mean, you look at Josh Dobbs, he's brilliant. He's Mm -hmm. athletic. uh, He's personable. He has leadership characteristics and he can't stay on the field as a starter. You know, Arizona traded him and now the Vikings have benched him. Uh, You know, Kevin O'Connell, 
six foot five, six foot six, whatever he is, 228 pounds when he was in his prime. Athletic, tall, rangy, uh, obviously very intelligent. He was the Rams offense coordinator when they won a Super Bowl. He comes to the Vikings and he gets coach of the year votes for taking the 13 wins. Very knowledgeable guy. And he couldn't play in the NFL. It's amazing how high the bar is, how how much, how the blend of intelligence, savvy, and athletic ability just to be able to play the position at any level. And and that's not that's just your position. That's not like Lee and I will talk, you'll hear about this coming up later. When you're playing a sport, especially the quarterback, you can't control the line in front of you if they right. if they make a mistake or the defense coming at you. So just what he has to do as a quarterback to maintain his own job is amazing. And then you've got all these other moving parts coming at you. And if any of those break down, you're in trouble. I mean, and when it comes to that, Brian O'Neill getting hurt last game, I was mm-hmm. like, Oh no, please do not let that be bad. I mean, he's a tough guy, but they need him on the offensive line. So once you have any kind of kind of Nick in the, and no Nick Mullins pun, but I mean, like a Nick in the armor, you know, I mean, it just makes it even harder. And so I think people now, Jim, and I don't know about you, I think they appreciate Kirk Cousins a lot more. No doubt. And and they should. And I thought they should probably should have. Listen, I, I've had my qualms with Kirk on a lot of different issues over the years, uh, but I thought he played really well and became a leader last season. This year, he was putting up ridiculous numbers. Amazing. Uh, and despite drop passes and fumbles and everything else, he was playing brilliantly. He beat the 40. We now know the 49ers are the best team in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He torched the 49ers uh, without yeah. Justin Jefferson. So, I, you know, I, I know I've revised my opinions on Kirk in the last uh, last two years, and I'm guessing the Vikings are, are going to be very grateful to sign him to a deal this offseason. And you know what? We can get in. Well, here, I, I will te- that'll be my tease. We're going to talk more about the quarterback position here in a second. We want to let you know, this is Dawn of Sports. She's Dawn Mitchell from Fox 9. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. Brandon Morton is our longtime producer. Thank you to All Energy Solar, allenergysolar.com, and Rudy Luther Toyota. Uh, Rudy Luther Toyota has always been a big supporter of women's sports. We talk men's and women's sports on this show. Uh, right now, we're on a great run of women guests. Today's guest, Leah B. Olson, former Gopher star, Lynx analyst, Timberwolves analyst, great human being, uh, great talent. Uh, she's added to all the other great people we've had on lately. Julia Daniels, Katie Storm, uh, Autumn Martin, Andrea Yock. Uh, we've had Laura Oakman. We've had Jim Cott, uh, Mike Tarico, Jack Jablonski, Mark Rosen, Chad Greenway, Brian Robinson. It's been a great start to this show. We appreciate you listening. If you like the show, please subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. Also, you can go to talknorth.com and you'll find we have the best people in pretty much every uh, department when it comes to sports, outdoors, and variety. So thank you all. We do appreciate it. To go back to the quarterbacks here, um, I really think what this has taught this season has taught the Vikings is you need someone like Kirk Cousins right now because this team can win with him. And it's probably time to draft his eventual successor because this mm-hmm. might be one of the great quarterback drafts of all time coming up here this year. Absolutely. You know, when, when they were just doing the draft and doing some other things and you're looking and you just go across the board in college football, you're like, oh, well, the Vikings could maybe get him. Oh, the yep. Vikings could maybe get him. Oh, I don't want them to do that poorly to get him, but they might need a guy like that. Right. We're not putting Kirk out to pasture at all, but even Kirk will say, hey, I, I want to play out as a Viking. 
how many more years I have left. And we all saw what he has to go through physically. Um, he's coming back from his Achilles already. I mean, he's already, you know, rehabbing from that. So we're not pushing him out the door because let me tell you, you can be fit and you can be great. But if you're not accurate in this league, as, as we're learning, you know, there's a, there's a lot of problems. So um, is he mobile? No, but will you take mobility over, you know, in, incorrect passes or not knowing routes or not seeing things. Um, yeah, I, I'd take, you, you can't have, not everybody can be a scrambling quarterback and an accurate quarterback. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you, you take what you got and then you, you work around it. And the one thing I think is really kind of interesting for this team is they might've been in a different position with, you talk about four starting quarterbacks, but people are saying, well, how come Jaron Hall's not warming up? Like, I'm sick of answering that question. So the number one thing is, because he's not the number two. He's not QB2. And people are like, what? You know, like, and these are people that supposedly are football fans. So many people adding me, how come Jaron Hall's not warming up? Where where is he? Um, It's Nick Mullins is number two. And the reason why he wasn't before is because he was hurt, you know? And then Jaron Hall had a concussion. Like, so it's kind of been like musical chairs for, it's not who's good, one, two, three, four. It's who's good and healthy, <laughs> like who's a body at that one point. Um, so keeping your quarterback healthy and getting a, a guy that can do it all. It's like you said, it's the number one and the hardest position for a reason. Um, I know DBs and cornerbacks, they have a difficult, they do, but a quarterback, you got to know it all. You got to know the coverages and maybe, and I don't know, Jim, you can call me crazy, but maybe you get a smart guy like Josh Dobbs. He can handle the chaos of a situation when he first comes in. Right. And they dumbed down and not to like that he's dumb, but they dumbed down the offense for a new guy coming in and said, Hey, what do you know? And that's all that adrenaline is kind of like patchwork on the fly. But when you have to get down into the nitty gritty and to make sure you're getting down a brass tax, that's not easy. That's not easy. Like, okay, so now you've been here a couple weeks. Here's our offense. We got to play it this way, this way, and this way. Um, it's hard. It took Kirk a couple of years to, you know, fully feel like he was in the flow with this offense. Yeah, and I, I think two things happened simultaneously with Josh Dobbs. Number one, uh, the more time he spent here, the more Kevin O'Connell wanted him to run the full offense, yes. like the way Kirk would run it. And that's mm-hmm. not really his game. He's more of a quick, you know, look for my one, two read and then, then ditch. And yep. number two is defenses figured out what he likes to do. And yes. so all of a sudden they're cutting off his lanes of escape and making him stand in the pocket. And he's taking his two reads and looking like he wants to go someplace and there's no room. Uh, so this is, again, th- th- we're not really bashing Josh Dobbs here. We're just no. pointing out that's how difficult the position is. Yes. Uh, you have to, so- you have to solve a different, you have to take a different test every week and there aren't many people who can do it. That's, you know, there are about 20 people in the world who can actually handle the job. Right. Amen. I want to give a shout out, though. Ivan Pace Jr. Yes. That kid has been so much fun to not only watch just kind of grow all season long, but even talking to him in the locker room, he's like, I have the dog in me. Like, I just love it. He's like, someone said, are you surprised? He goes, no, I'm not surprised. I know I got the talent. Now everyone can see I have the dog. I'm like, I love this kid. Yeah, he's, he's, and, you know, I give Brian Flores a lot of credit for being able to bring him along, getting the most out of Josh Metellus, dealing with injuries. I mean, Brian Flores has one great player in his prime at his disposal. That's Neil Hunter. 
everybody else yeah. is, you know, maybe a little long in the tooth or maybe a little inexperienced or, or, you know, not highly regarded in terms of draft status or contracts. And I mean, <laughs> to pitch it, and I wrote about this too the other day, Don, I mean, I know the Raiders aren't a great team, but a shutout in the modern NFL on the road against a team that does have offensive talent, Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's don't ignore that. Don't belittle that. Don't underplay that. That's a remarkable achievement, a shutout on the road in the NFL in a game that matters. In a game that matters. And it was a second straight game. I mean, say what you will about the Bears, but they didn't allow a touchdown, yep. you know? So it's the second straight game without allowing a touchdown. That is tough to do in the NFL. Hey, yes. it may not be, you know, it may not be pretty offensively for the Vikings, but defense, you talk about Josh Metellus, Josh Metellus, Cam Bynum, you know, Ivan Pace Jr. You just keep going down the list. And I really love what these younger guys are doing. Um, and it's interesting that each game, someone else steps up like, and they step up right when they need them to step up. And, um, that's the sign we've seen that in the past with some of the great defenses that they've had. You know, that's what you need. No doubt. All right, let's get to women's sports. Uh, a lot going on these days. Uh, Caitlin Clark lands a massive Gatorade deal. And I've seen some people say, oh, maybe she can stay in Iowa for another year if she's getting that kind of money. Guess what? She can play in the WNBA and have a Gator Gatorade sponsorship as well. Uh, there's, it's not mutually exclusive. So I don't know what she's going to decide. Uh, Part of me kind of wishes she would stay in college just because she's so good for college basketball, but she's going to be fine either way. Oh, yeah. And I'm with you. And I know it's hard. If I were of that ink or ilk, I should say, um, and ink, um, I would want to go to the WNBA. I would. Yes. Um, you know, because you get the money, you can always go back and finish your degree. And And I know I've had some friends that they fight me on this all the time. I said, if that were me, you just don't know with injuries and everything else. Yep. Like if your dream is open to you, you take it and then you can go back to school. So I can see when she does it, but I'm with you. Like, I just love watching her play college hoops, right. And just what it's doing for the game and for the student body and, and not even at her, her school, like the whole country. I just, you know, putting her name and her school on the map like that. It's amazing. Um, I, I like that. And we also talking about the, the gopher women. I know that you've mentioned her all along, but Mara Braun, I mean, she just today had her seventh 20 point or more game. Yep. It's incredible. So, um, and she's, you know, she's not alone in playing well. Also, Sophie Hart has been the junior center. She's been on fire. Amaya Battle had that clutch free throw against Purdue. Um, they have, what, seven, is it a seven game winning streak right now? I they think so, have yeah. been fun to watch. That has been so much fun. Now, they're they're ten and one. They only have one win in the Big Ten, but it was that comeback win over Purdue. So, um, I'm exciting to. It's going to be exciting to see what the Gopher women can do Big Ten wise. You know, it seems that they seem to be blowing away all the non conference, which I think at this level you should be if you're in the Big Ten. But um, it's not always easy to do with a brand new head coach. No, no doubt about it. It's going to be a fun season. Uh, the Lynx land the seventh pick in the WNBA draft. Uh, it's hard to get a great player at seven, but uh, Cheryl Reeve did draft Nafisa Collier number six. Uh, mm-hmm. So there, it's not it's not out of the question. She also got Dangerfield uh, with the sixth, uh, no, the sixteenth pick, I believe, in that draft. So and she's still in the league and still playing point guard. So 
Seventh pick, it's not an easy place to be, but there is a chance they land another kind of core player, and they probably need another core player at this point. Yeah, and and from uh, I have to do more research on this WNBA draft, but I think it's pretty deep this year. So it um, it's pretty deep. So I'm thinking, why not? And and Cheryl just has such a really good knack for scouting talent and knowing talent, and like and how that can go in her scheme of how she coaches. So I think that they will get someone, someone that can come in and start right away after camp. I'm I'm not sure. It might be someone that has to learn a little bit, but um, um, I've, I've got good hopes. I've got good hopes for this draft for the Lynx. In honor of our friend Audrey Yak, who started the Minnesota Aurora, uh, we want to give you our Minnesota Aurora Minute and let you know that they're going to have tryouts and a pop-up shop this Saturday, 8 p.m., 10 p.m., St. Croix Rec-, Rec Center, Stillwater, Minnesota. Uh, that is 12-16th, that is a Saturday. So coming up, uh, if you know, if anybody listening to this wants to try out for the Aurora, that is your easiest chance to do so. You know, one thing you and I talked about doing on the show is an FTG segment, <laughs> and we'll let people imagine what those initials mean. But but you've been too nice. You haven't been ripping on anybody. Do you have anybody today, or are you going to continue to just be really nice? Oh, oh my goodness. You know, gosh, I must have been in the nice December spirit. I haven't really had any FTGs. It's okay. You don't have to force it. Some yeah. there, Somebody will present themselves. Oh, I, you know what? I have one for today. You do? Yes. Dream Who, on who's green. yours? Dream on green. Oh. Uh, punched <laughs> Nurkic in the face yesterday. Uh, early in the season, he tried to choke Rudy Gobert. Uh, he is out of control. Yes, he's a great player. FTG, man. Care. FTG, give him a 50 game suspension. Get him off my TV screen, please. Oh, oh, I hate players that play dirty. And I he's just, so dirty. He's I so just, dirty. There's no place in, in the modern game for that. There's, there's no need. No, no. So FTG, Draymond Green. All right. We want to get to our great conversation, Don's great conversation with Leah B. Olson here. Uh, first, I want to let you know that we appreciate Rudy Luther Toyota. Ready for a women-forward car dealership? Rudy Luther Toyota empowers their many women on staff in sales, management, and service. Whether you are looking for a new Toyota or pre-owned vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota has something for everyone. Every vehicle comes with a Luther Advantage. Ten cents off fuel and car wash discounts at holiday stations, Luther Advantage warranty, and five-day return policy on pre-owned vehicles. Located just five minutes west of downtown Minneapolis, off 394 and General Mills Boulevard. And they're also hiring. Want to join the team but don't know where to start? Visit RudyLutherToyota.com today. Also want to let you know that all energy solar panel installations are done right and made easy thanks to more than 14 years of experience in Minnesota and beyond. All Energy Solar is ready to take any solar project, home, business, or both, from design to installation and everything in between. Find out more about going solar at allenergysolar.com slash coach. All right, any other thoughts before we get to Leah? You know what? I do have an FTG. I okay. just thought about it. And it's an FTG of a, you know, um, it's a female. Okay. And I have to go to it. So Courtney Cronin, you remember um, Courtney well, remember Cronin, Courtney. ESPN. She used to be here. Now she's in Chicago. And she alerted me to this. And I was so, I'm with her on that. I'm so angry at this. There is a woman right now, and I'm going to it. And her name is author Lisa Suzanne. And she's writing a, like those romance novel books, right? But it's about, this is her excerpt. 
when the NFL coach follows the reporter into the back room at a bar, pins her up against the wall, uh, runs his nose along hers and says, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me in this um, year, first of all, 2023, things that people are going through and how hard we've had to work? That that does not happen. That does no. not happen. And so this is a romance novelist um, who is now finding that. And so Courtney, God bless her, I tried to forward her story on Instagram, but I couldn't forward it. But it's author Lisa Suzanne, and this is her new romance novel. And she's, it's it gets me mad. It gets me absolutely mad. So thank you. It took me a second to remember because um, I'm like, I do have one, but what is it? It was just last night that I saw this. No one, whatever romance novel you want to do, he's Fabio when you're in Italy and you're riding horseback, whatever you want, that's great. <laughs> do not be smirch. Women who've worked so hard to be taken so seriously and then you write this kind of stuff. Like, yeah, I don't read utter- that kind of stuff anyway, but come on. She's doing a disservice to all women. That's what yeah, I Yeah, it's utter crap. And and Courtney Cronin's great. Uh, his, her career is just gone. She covered the Vikings here for ESPN. She's gone to Chicago and she's doing all kinds of things with ESPN. Around the horn. She's doing great. Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh, and she is an example of why we don't need uh, crap like this. We don't need it. And uh, like, you know, we talked about this before, woman on woman crime. Like, come on, come on. And I don't care. You can say it's fiction. Well, yeah, it is fiction, but now it's fiction that's hurting people. Like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm so sick of, of fighting a battle that you normally just have to fight in general and then having someone else just kind of like pull the plug and drain anything that you've built. So um, don't read it. Don't buy your book. (laughs) I agree. FTG. FTG. Um, all right, we're gonna we're gonna now we're going to transition to Don's conversation with Leah B. Olson, who is uh, you know just just a great person, great at her job, great basketball analyst, uh, and I think you'll enjoy this conversation. Well, this is always my favorite part. No offense, Jim, of our show here. I love to sit down with Jim and our guests each week and have a kind of an extended conversation to get into exactly what makes these people tick. And today we have such a talented broadcaster, not only an analyst and a reporter on Bally Sports North and also ESPN. She is an all around do it kind of person because just her career doesn't begin to cover it. Former go for hoop star keynote speaker and she has her own nonprofit. so we're going to welcome in right now the sensational leah b olson leah thanks for joining us today oh thanks so much don that was quite um the opening thank you for all of that um i'm not sure i can live up to all of that but <laughs> i sure you can <laughs> she can. And for those listening, if you hear any snoring in the background, I'm absolutely in love with Jim's dog, Boyd. And yes. Boyd, want, Boyd wants to be known. So don't worry. Nobody's having a heart attack. It's just Boyd, Boyd is an international recording star. Well, Leah, first of all, I want to thank you because I know you've been traveling the country with the Timberwolves and what an amazing season they're having. Um, So thank you for just flying back. And I know you must be tired, but for joining us today, it's got to be crazy for you right now. Yeah, it's been, um, you know, it's just been super exciting. And all my years, I started with the Timberwolves right out of college. So I, at some point, 1994, um, I started working in the Timberwolves front offices, so to finally see this day <laughs> where the wow. basketball is really, really good and they're having a um, franchise best season, it's it's been pretty exciting. And 
like you said, you've been with them for so long. It's they're almost like your your kid brothers, right, on the court because you know them so well. And to see them playing the game that you know so well and doing it with great defense coming through. I know we're coming off a loss, but all in all, they're still number one in the West. They're they're still tied with the Celtics for one overall. Do you have to like pinch yourself sometimes and be like, finally? I mean, this is great. Yeah, and you can, I can say this from being around the sport for so long and having been around um, a team that has won in the Minnesota Lynx, you start kind of figuring out the signs of when an organization is getting things right. And I will say when Chris Finch came in as the head coach, that was a big indicator to me. He, um, I just, I think the world of him, I think he's brilliant and I think he's just easy with how he coaches the game. And so, um, seeing that from behind the scenes and the people who were surrounding him and then the people he, they started bringing in the players. And obviously this is a stars league. So you need to have a star, um, like Anthony Edwards. Um, but you kind of have fill out the other things first, which is really a kind of strong organization. And then um, an organization that has a real clear idea where they're going. And that was evident when they first got here. So it's been you know, exciting kind of watching that play out. And the ownership has really invested too, you know, whether they're showing up for the game is putting the money obviously into the team, but a new ownership um, ownership shift and um, not fully out of the way, obviously for Glenn. Um, and that could have been super awkward, but I think they're handling that well as well. What do you see from the inside? Yeah, I think it's been, um, you know, it's, it's been pretty cool to see um, the new ownership group come in and kind of watch from the outside as, yeah. as they make this official shift, which I think happens officially in January where they actually, you know, hand the papers over um, to Mark Laurie and A-Rod. And um, so um, I've been, you know, really excited. I think they have some real clear ideas on where they want to take this team. And um, I think they're very clear in that they don't want to take this team out of Minnesota, which I feel I felt like was everyone's big worry from the get-go. Um, but yeah, so, so far that's been real good. All right, we're here with Leah B. Olson, and not only she's a sideline reporter for Timberwolves and Belly Sports North that you've all have seen, also ESPN's WNBA coverage where you're an analyst and a former Gopher star. And you must be so proud, too, when you see the Gopher women playing so well, a program that's near and dear to your heart, and then also the Lynx, they're rebuilding, they're really getting talent behind them. In terms of basketball, when you see like the Paige Beckers of the world coming from here, someone asked me this today at physical therapy. It was my physical therapist and it's Jamie. I'm going to give him a shout out. He said, why is Minnesota such a hotbed for basketball? He's not from here and he was baffled by it. And I said, they're just such talent and they really own Minnesota does grooming this talent. And you're a part of that. Why is it in your mind? Do you think Minnesota is such a talented basketball hotbed? Yeah, that's a good question for exactly why um, that has happened throughout the years in what is clearly, a, you know, known for being a hockey state. Minnesota has been able to, I mean, basketball has been able to come out of um, Minnesota. Um, but from what I see from the people who are um, doing it at the grassroots level, um, there's a lot of commitment. There's a lot of time. There's um, and there's a kind of nice synergy 
from the top teams like the Lynx and the Timberwolves and then the grassroots teams being connected in and seeing those teams come on the court at Target Center and AAU and all of those things. And so I think we've just done a really nice job in the state of growing it. Um, and then, you know, luckily we've just had some really amazing talents come through here. And I think the next step for Minnesota basketball is to, um, at the lower levels, at the college levels, is to get one of those stars to stay here in Minnesota. And that will kind of officially, I think, um, um, and, I mean, I think we're definitely on the map, but when we're holding those players in the state, I think that puts us in a different space. Yeah, that's always difficult, too. You know, you, you understand that players want to go because they want to go win somewhere. Right. But they, yes. they also have an affinity for Minnesota. It's like you can't blame the students for wanting to go. So the other thing is build a program where they want to stay and go to. Absolutely. And I, I think you know, sometimes athletes realize that they can be the program and they can have that program built around them. And other times you want to go, especially in women's basketball, where there hasn't been as many strong programs around the country, you want to just get to that program that's the strongest. Now you're seeing on both coasts and in the Midwest, you're seeing really good women's basketball teams pop up all over the place. And I think that's really important to the growth of the sport. And then that also allows people to say, well, I don't necessarily have to go to any of those teams because I could stay home and build it here. Um, like Taylor Hill, when she played um, at South High, she was the best player in the state, one of the best mm -hmm. players in the country. And then she opted to go to Ohio State. Um, and then, of course, went on to the WNBA. So um, and we, we've seen that a lot in women's basketball. We've seen it a lot on the men's side as well. Um, but I think I think we're getting close um, with both of the programs of making making it so the athletes want to stay. Well, what a lot of people don't know about Julia is also you have your own nonprofit and it's called Rethink the Win. And I found out about this a couple of months ago and I never knew about it. And when I started seeing it, I said, this is amazing where you want to preserve the fun in youth sports and maybe especially so basketball, but while teaching kids how to apply those lessons to the real world. And that is such a fundamental issue, I think, right now, where kids are not having fun because parents are getting on the refs or getting on the kids or thinking they're going to go pro at, you know, age six. Um, and then somewhere along the line, a childhood is lost and the fun is lost. Um, how has that been for you? And how did you come up with this? Well, I came up with Rethink the Win, which I really use as a platform. So I use it as a platform for speaking. Um, mm -hmm. And it is, is when my own kids were going through youth sports. And I was um, unpleasantly surprised by the behavior of a lot of adults and um, a lot of the situations we were seeing in gyms for um, not just basketball, but for baseball and for volleyball and the different, all the different sports. And um, what, what I knew for myself is that sports had been this great space where I had learned through basketball how to have a lot of confidence so that I could walk into a boardroom later in life. And I, um, basketball also brought me a lot of friendships that I've had my entire life, um, which has made my life very valuable to me and my family and friends. And so um, having, it was kind of just a bothering me that people were missing that piece of it and the thought of that if we win the tournament that's really all that matters mm -hmm. and um 
And I think when you kind of look, when you focus in at winning at all costs, it's just kind of, it takes away from the value of the game and why we put kids into sports in the first place. And so, um, so I just decided that I wanted to kind of have a conversation with players, coaches, and athletes around it. So I started Rethink the Win and did a lot of research, took a couple of years to do the research and find out what this, you know, what were the stats and the information and the research saying around kids who spend all of their time in sports. And although some positive things definitely come out of it, um, there's a lot of things that are concerned as well from mental health to overuse injuries. Um, and so sometimes it's just trying to make parents aware um, that you want to protect your athletes, but it's, you know, you want them to stay in sports for as long as possible. And most athletes drop out of sports at quite young ages. So hmm. um, yeah, it just became something that was really important to me. What was the number one, um, maybe bad thing that sports does to an athlete? Well, I think what happens when one of the one of the terms that they use is the professionalization of youth sports. So mm. um, we try to we try to do the same things we do with our professional athletes um, with our young athletes. And young athletes are not just are not just small miniature professional athletes. They're young human beings with minds and brains that um, need to be treated differently. And one of the things that we see in particular is that like. Um, professional athletes take a lot of time and put a lot of money in the recovery aspect of being an mm -hmm. athlete. So um, taking their days off, recovering, getting massages, you know, cryotherapy, the 400 different things that they're going to do with their bodies to recover from playing so much. But with our younger athletes, we don't do that at all. And so we just, you know, oh, they're young. They can play seven days a week. They can play all season long. They can train continually. And with that, what we've seen is that this group of athletes coming through has more stress and anxiety than any other group coming through. And then the, the overuse injuries are a huge issue, in particular in girls' sports where we see a, so many ACL injuries. So mm. just that piece of it is trying to make parents aware that um, it's hard because you're always trying to keep up with the Joneses, right? If someone else is... Um, if their team's going to a tournament, you feel like you have to go to a tournament. If their kid is getting a trainer on Sundays, you got to get a trainer for Sundays. And so it's kind of this thing, the keeping up with the Joneses that parents feel the pressure to do. And, um, and I, I understand it. I, and I know that feeling. And so trying to get people to see which can be okay. It can be fine to train that way, but be really aware of, um, some of the negative things that can come from that because that will ruin the experience for your athlete. Right. And that's when you see a lot of kids say, I don't want to play that sport anymore. Like, I don't want to yes. do that next year. Yeah. You know, and you know, a lot of pressure. 70% of, of kids will be out of sports by the age of 13. And so that, if you think about that, like the kids who are late developers, like we could be missing out on some really great athletes because they've already dropped out of the sport, you know? So um, I think we just have to be more thoughtful, considerate of um, that they're, they're young people and they can commit to the sport and they can, um, you know, they can do a lot. And I think, you know, in women's basketball in particular, we've benefited from um, young girls playing year round. Because if you look at the difference, like when I first got into the WNBA, started working for the WNBA in 1999 when the Lynx came, um, 
you know, that that level of basketball compared to where we're at now, it's a huge shift. And mm-hmm. so that is because young kids have been playing year round since then. Um, but just kind of just making sure that people realize that there's more to that person than just that aspect. There is a mental health game and a physical game that matters as well. Yeah. And when you said the rest, that's huge, especially for, yeah, you can push it and say, oh, kids are young, they're resilient, but they're, they're still growing. Right. Um, my, my brother got that Osgood, I think it's Osgood Slaughter's disease yes. where you, you know, your knee and your leg is still growing, but you're putting so much stress on it. Um, and that's one of those, oh, that was a sign for, it was one of my brothers and said, oh, you got to take rest days. You know, yeah, you got to relax. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's Cause okay. you're growing and your body's changing and you, you can't always keep up with, uh, keep up with the demands that you're putting on yourself. So, yeah. And um, your muscles can't, I mean, that's just like any weight training or any, um, anything where you're trying to get stronger, you, you need recovery days. That's how your muscle actually grows. Right. So like for just kind of, I think instead of like working through fear of, of like missing things or worried that my kid's going to fall behind, just being comfortable with your athletes to say, um, wherever you're at is good. We're going to try to get you into the best shape and in the best situations, but we're still good with wherever you're at. Um, and I think like, if you look at what's happening with, um, therapy for young athletes, there's, there are more kids in therapy, um, for mental health issues at young, young ages. And I mean, I'm talking like eight, nine, Mm. 10, because at that level, sports has become stressful, um, because you need to make teams. And so, um, it's just, it's just, you know, we've kind of had a societal shift on this. And so I feel like my little, my voice in it is just trying to kind of get everyone to like tone it down a little bit. And, um, and to take it easy on the officials. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. No, that. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like we see that, you know, in the NBA and the WNBA, you can go at officials and that's a, that's a different thing than when we're asking someone to volunteer their time or we're paying them $25 at a kid's tournament. Um, they shouldn't be um, belittled and berated by parents. Um, and that's, a huge issue in particular in this state because we have a really difficult time getting officials um, mm. to sign up now. Yeah. It's like, who wants to be one? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Give up my free time and uh, just be berated and hated. Yes, exactly. Not right. Fun. So those, yeah. So that's, that's one of the ways that I use that platform. And then I also use it and just, um, and speaking to corporate America, I, um, the last couple of years, I've kind of taken the Rethink the Win platform in that space as well. And just that's kind of a little bit just the same philosophy as um, winning at all cost um, is going to be detrimental. And so that's been really interesting and fun kind of moving into that space and um, kind of taking it to more of a business um, area. What do you think for you personally, the number one thing you said that sports gave you confidence, mm-hmm. um, how else did it help you? I know I probably wouldn't be in my job if I didn't play sports, but I also had four amazing brothers who 
thought a girl could play, knew girls were smart. You know, I had the support of guys as well. Um, like yeah. it helped me with time management and being included and friends and, and confidence. But some people, they, you know, they get the bad side of sports. Yeah. And I think um, I was lucky. We were lucky to participate in team sports. I think that's a little bit um, easier and friendlier for young athletes. Um, I think sometimes, you know, when you're in the individual sports, a lot of that pressure obviously just lands mm. on you, where when you're in a team sport, you can share that with your teammates, which is one of the great things. Like that was my, you know, my journey through sports is really different than most people's because I didn't start sports until my junior year in high school. Oh, and, cool. um, and like you, I, I have three brothers and I, pl I was playing sports all the time. I was six foot one at the age of 13. Um, and so I was like, you know, just playing with my brothers and in gym class, I went to a school that didn't have sports and, um, but my brothers eventually tired of, of playing with me. They were like, because they were, <laughs> I was beating just them. Over, yeah. And I was like overly competitive with them and they were like, you should go play with people who want to play with you. So I transferred, um, into South high and started playing and, um, you know, when I made that team, and I, I will say this to you, the, the coach was pretty excited to see a, a six foot one girl coming into school that no one had heard about until I, I gave him my resume. And he <laughs> was like, you know, where have you played before? And I was like, well, you know, the backyard and um, in gym <laughs> class, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that was that was interesting. And um but yeah, so I made the team. And from that moment on, I knew I wanted to spend the rest of my life in sports. That's like how strong of an impact it had on me. Um, there was just something about like working towards something with a group of people um, that really, really worked for me. And I like I loved like Saturdays, we would be at school and no one else would be there. And then we'd get on the bus and um, head to, you know, southern Minnesota and play Worthington and just kind of opened up the world to me in, um, ways that it hadn't been opened before. And so, um, the more I was in it, the more I wanted to stay in it. But I think probably the biggest piece that I took from it was really finding a place where I felt really comfortable was on the basketball court. And then that kind of allowed me to start feeling more comfortable in other spaces. Um, so yeah, that was probably the biggest lesson that I've gotten from participating. You know, when I tried to explain to people what, and, and this is in broadcast TV specifically, um, it's a team sport. Um, because, yeah. you know, in Jim, if you're, you're a writer, you, you might have an editor that's in your stuff, but like a broadcaster, everybody's in your stuff, you know? So if you're, yes. if you're my, if the audio guy, um, if the mic doesn't work, your hit is going South. If the you know, camera goes down, the battery drains or the producer's talking your ear. There's so much going on that yeah. what I love is it, it's a team sport. Like there's so many people in either in my head or in my, like my physical script or just part of the production that when it's done, you have this, like, it's like a performance high, just like if you were yes. performing on stage or if you're, you're an athlete, because so many moving parts have to go right for it to, it's never flawless, but when it's close to flawless, you're like, Whoa, yeah. it's just such a high, isn't it? Yeah, it's so true. We were actually just having this conversation <laughs> after the last Timberwolves game, because as you said, there's plenty of things that go on behind the scenes that, you know, the viewers at home have no idea about. And, right. and, 
And hopefully they never do because that means they, you know, it was seamless, right? It was and obvious if it does, right? <laughs> exactly. And so, but we were just, just talking about that. And that is one of the reasons why I prefer live TV is that you kind of get that rush of like, here we go, you know, and we got to be ready and let's do this. And then you're just in it. And um, you just kind of have to bring your best to that for the, you know, for two hours, two and a half hours. And um, there is definitely a rush that's involved in like people yelling at you in your ear and you're trying to get an interview and grab somebody. And, um, and so, yeah, that's, that's a big part of being part of a team. Yeah. It's just a different team. Right. It's like what your, your notes that you wrote to ask that person about, is like such a minuscule part of your job, right? When yes. you're interviewing that you're like, oh no, I'm just, my mic worked, my IFB, there wasn't an echo, you know, there wasn't any of that. So um, yeah, that's absolutely when you don't right. have mixed minus and everything is great. You're just like, oh, that was just kind of, oh, that was fun. It's actually just fun. It's like playing the sport in a way. It's like a mental of a mental sports game in a way. Yeah, um, and it gives you a different way to be around the game as well. Exactly. And so I wanted to ask you this. I saw also um, when it comes to youth and, and women specifically, um, part of the reason I wanted to do this podcast was not only to showcase a lot more women, but also with men's support, like men and women together. Cause there's either women that are like, you know, it's, it's all about women and they bash men, which I'm not about. Um, right. but I also want to shine a light on some women that have been working really hard, maybe don't get, uh, enough flowers their way. But when I saw the gopher women today, um, by the way, they won, they had, but they had a thing called the field trip day where it was oh, yeah. all students, eighth Spirit grade and clear. under. Yeah. <laughs> but in a way that's also amazing because it's almost like the Minnesota Aurora. When you get young kids and not just girls, you get girls and boys that are exposed to a woman's sport at a young age, amazing things can happen. Absolutely. And first of all, the first amazing thing that's going to happen is your eardrums are going to be blown out. <laughs> <laughs> because whenever the links do their camp day, it's, it is weirdly loud in there, which is awesome for the players. Um, but yeah, no, there is something that's really unique and exciting to see when you see on those days, on the camp days where all these kids come in and, you know, they haven't in their young minds, they haven't made those decisions of like, I like women's sports or I don't, or I only like men's sports. Mm -hmm. um, they're just coming in to enjoy something. And oftentimes, you know, we've heard stories throughout the years, like that's the thing that changes them or triggers them or makes them think I'm a sports fan. And I've never seen athletes like that before. And I never, you know, it's just a way of opening up people's minds and getting, getting young fans in the building is a huge, huge, really critical part for women's sports. And, um, so those days really do matter, um, even if they're a tad bit loud. <laughs> yeah, because when I was little, I mean, I didn't really see, except for when my brother finally took me to maybe a high school basketball game, but I didn't know Lisa Leslie, maybe Nancy Lieberman. Those were like the basketball players I saw, but they were so good that there was this gap. Like, how do I get from playing basketball right. in the backyard with my brothers to being that level? And there didn't seem, seem to be a clear path. And so 
I, I just love it where now the younger boys and girls can say, um, first of all, girls can play. They can hoop. They're good. Yes. And here's and here's a clear path. Like if you want to play this, then you go play in school or, you know, you get on a traveling team. And then so it kind of exposes you rather than this big leap. Like, I guess someone just has to discover me in my backyard. I don't know. You know, like you were, you were saying, so, um, just, just to, I always say this, if you can see it, you can be it, but also for young boys, if they can see women succeeding, they're going to think, yeah, well, why can't my sister play? Like that's an an over-brainer. Or just in their own minds to think, all right, I want to watch that. I want to, I'm going to tune into that. I want to, you know, it's, it's what I've watched with the guys in my family and friends that I know is that they like watching anything that's good. And so like any Mm -hmm. sport, women's or men, as long as it's good, they want to watch it. And that's, um, I think that's the piece that is so critical is that it has to be accessible to be seen. And so we're starting to see that so much more. And, um, you know, it's, it's cool to see, like, you know, I think the Gophers are just on the start of this go for women's basketball, but like the way that Iowa has created that fan base and the 86,000 people who came to see their game. Um, People like winners, people like winning teams. They like good sports. That's ultimately what people want to see. And so um, getting kids in young and then getting access to this stuff um, is how you transform sports. Well, Leah, I want to thank you because you are not only a tremendous athlete in and of yourself, but you're a great representation because every time I see you on TV, you're flawless, you're kind, and your your genuineness comes across that everyone you interview is immediately put at ease. And when you're an analyst, it's so smooth that you're taking what a player would think and you just translate it perfectly for people at home that may or may not know the sport. And so that's an incredible talent to have both ways and you're just, just an incredible human being. So I just, I want to thank you for your talent, but also for sharing it with all of us. Well, thank you for the kind words. Um, I can just say right back at you for all the work that you do, which is so appreciated. Um, and yeah, we're, we're, you know, both really lucky to, to be in a field that's difficult to get into and difficult to stay into. And, um, and so, um, super thankful every day that I get the opportunity to call this my work. Oh, well, I'm glad because every time I turn on basketball, I hear you talk, I learn something even more. So thank you for bringing stories to life and also sharing your life with us today. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Don. Appreciate you. All right. That's Leah B. Olson. You can watch her on ESPN's WNBA coverage. The links will be starting up in a couple of months. And of course, right now, Bally Sports North, the Timberwolves. Let's hope the season of joy continues. I just, I think just the sky's the limit for this team. So, and Boyd, thank you so much. You kind of calmed down on your snoring in the background there a little bit. So I love having uh, big baby Boyd back there too as well. (laughs) Well, he's enjoying the show. He is enjoying the show. Okay, Leah, thank you so much. We'll see you soon. You're welcome. Talk to you later. 